0: Hi, and welcome back to the Courageous Mama podcast. This week, we're going to talk about conflict.
1: I could fix this short term by just getting loud, shouting, or separating them, but I want to invest in the long term.
0: In real time, we're in week three of the lockdown. And it may be that all of your children are getting on harmoniously well. I hope it is. But it could be that occasionally you're experiencing some sibling clashes. Our kids were reminiscing last night about some of our epic failures. They remembered one particular occasion where one of the children had lost a pair of blue headphones and was quite sure that the older brother had them by his bed. So he came down early one morning and complained about this to his dad. So my husband went upstairs to the bedroom of the big brother, where sure enough there was a set of blue headphones by the bed, told him that he shouldn't take things that don't belong to him and returned them to the little brother. The little brother said, oh no, those aren't my headphones, Dad. And then shortly after he found his own blue headphones down the side of his own bed. Epic fail. But that was all we knew back then, just to jump in, to solve, to resolve. So it was issues like these that sent us off in search of tools that could build relationship and connection, even in moments of conflict. Because we knew that there just had to be better ways than jumping in, sorting out the problem, or separating the children, returning the offending items and declaring it's all over. Because it isn't. Nobody's really made any peace. Relationship hasn't been restored. Nothing's been learned to help them with conflict going forward it's all just been controlled. At the end of his life, Napoleon was recorded to have said, I have built a kingdom on force and it has melted away. Force works in the moment, control works in the moment, but it doesn't build relationship. What could we give our children through moments of conflict that would build relationship and last them a lifetime? One thing I'd want to say is to not always avoid conflict. Conflict can have some good. When ours was small, we had two that got on harmoniously well and two that were just at each other's throats the whole time. And I remember a friend saying to me one day that it can often be the case that children who fight together when they're younger go on to have great relationships when they're older. And as I look back across the years at the different families that ours grew up alongside, it has borne out to be true. Many of those who fought together like cats and dogs as little ones have gone on to have good, strong friendships with each other now that they're older. Conflict is a relationship trying to happen. Conflict is growth trying to happen. And as well-meaning as we are when we weigh in, separate or resolve the issue, What we're actually doing is stunting that growth. We're not making peace, we're faking peace. The kids haven't come to a place of understanding. It's finished because we said so. That's control, and that can leave them with an unresolved issue. Build up too many of those, and you get frustrated children, and in turn, possibly quite angry children, who may over time become angry adults. So you may well be thinking after that that I'm almost pro-arguing. Well I'm not but I am in favour of growth and it's very difficult for growth to happen if we never get any practice. Our children are not going to learn conflict resolution if they're never allowed to have any conflict. So as you may know the goal of the podcast is connection. So how do we find connection in the midst of our children's arguments? We help them Connect. We give them tools to resolve so that we can step back and back and back. So, here are four suggestions that you may find helpful. The first is to set some boundaries in when they're not in the heat of the moment. When you've got toddlers or teens, you can gather them and sit down and make a list of what they think is fair and not fair during an argument. For example, no hitting, no teasing. No labelling or name-calling, you know, you're an idiot and so on. If they've been part of putting that together, they're far more likely to be held to account by it in the heat of the moment because they own the concepts. My second suggestion is that when they're in an argument, hold back. Give them a little bit longer than you're comfortable with. See if they can get to a solution together. They may well fail, But the message you're sending them is, I believe in you. I think you've got this. I think you can resolve this. You're also sending them the message, your arguments don't automatically summon me to your side. I wish we'd known this much earlier and not jumped in so much in the early days. When we jump in, we send the opposite message. You can't do this without me. This hijacks my day every time. It's disempowered. So stretch the timing on each occasion so they begin to learn that an argument doesn't magic you to their sides. My third suggestion is empathy. It's highly likely that even when they do try and solve themselves that they'll fail and one of them will come to you or both of them will come to you and complain or ask for help. And tempting responses can be things like, well, I'm not surprised it ended up like that or I could see that one coming Or perhaps you've got a note of instruction in there as well. Well, you shouldn't have called him such and such. You should have shared your dot, dot, dot with her. But here's the rub. Every interaction we have with our children builds up a story for them. It builds up a picture of whether they can trust us with their heart. If you want your children to share their troubles with you, both now and as they get older, when they come home from school, when they come home from being with friends, when they're older, when they're adults, they need to feel that you're safe. They can trust you with their heart. So as hard as it is to practice this when they're complaining about each other, it will cost you nothing to change your narrative to words of empathy. Make it your practice, hardwire it so it becomes your automatic response. So they hear things like this from us. I'm so sorry you're upset. That must feel really unfair. I'm sorry you got hurt. They're counterintuitive responses, aren't they? I know that. But in time, they will become natural responses. It means we're not taking sides. It means we're not making judgments. It means simply acknowledging that they've been aggrieved. That makes us safe. Yes, it's more time-consuming than swooping in and sorting it all out. But connection is time-consuming and we reap what we sow. So let's sow understanding and we'll reap connection. When our children, or anyone in fact, is aggrieved, the amygdala, the fight or flight center in their brain has been activated. There's a three minute soundbite on my Instagram this week and that explains the neuroscience of heated moments. So do go and have a listen if you think that might be helpful. But basically the best way to help them in a heated moment to get them to calm down is not to tell them to calm down, but to meet their feelings with empathy. To let them know that you accept their feelings. It doesn't mean to say that you're accepting their accusations or siding with their perspective. It just means you accept their feelings. Understanding as a first response will enable them to move forward. And so to point four, encourage them to understand each other. The common goal of a dispute is usually to get to a place of agreement but that's just a red herring it's not always achievable take a look at politics or internet interactions during brexit sometimes we just won't agree but we can always understand that's an achievable outcome not just for our kids in an argument but for our friends for our partner for our colleagues, for all our different life situations, if we make the aim of the interaction to understand each other rather than to agree, we can get to that place by listening to each other. So that's something that you can chat to your children about when you're not in the heat of the moment. Give them words that help them to hear each other. And then when in the moment you say use your words, they'll know what you're talking about. Teach them to switch from the word you to the word I. The problem with the word you is it's accusatory, and the word I is I feel, I would like, I'm worried that. It moves them away from blaming. And when this is new to them, you will need to come alongside them and encourage them with their new words. And if you do this with the intention that they'll learn to do it for themselves, then you can take a less and lesser role each time. So begin with them expressing how they feel and have them practice listening to each other. They'll quite often learn something that they didn't know. I know that mine did. And then see if either of them have a solution that can work for both of them. And at the end of all of that, instead of making them apologize to each other, ask them if either of them feels that a sorry is a good idea. That way they own their apology. You know that ghastly sorry? It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't heal. But if they choose to make an apology, it heals. It helps them again to move on. And as you practice this, you might not always get the storybook ending. But what they will do is learn to understand each other and you might be amazed by how many times they do find a way forward once they've listened. And it's worth noting that they might need to postpone the discussion until they both feel calm. And over time, it's helpful if you postpone chatting with them. That way, you continue to send them the message that you can't just have your day hijacked every time they argue. You could say things like, well, I'm happy to chat this through with you when I finish this, or I'm happy to chat this through with you after lunch or after tea and so on. And then of course, in that scenario, if there is a specific item that they're fighting about, it might be helpful to say, let's pop that on top of the cupboard until we've had our chat, shall we? And actually that in itself might prompt them to resolve. There was a season when our children were growing up, when we'd learned these tools, when we really invested in helping them to understand each other, and it has borne fruit. But it was time-consuming. Actually, it was even tedious at times, but there were notable results. They started to prefer to resolve without us. And I will never forget the day when, in their teens, the two that used to have the most arguments together headed off out the door and I said where are you going and they said oh we both need to just go and sit down and listen to each other literally you could have knocked me down with a feather we were reaping what we'd sown And now I want you to meet my friend David. We've had a great chat about conflict. It was over the phone, of course, because we're in lockdown. So bear with the sound quality because the quality of input is fabulous. I asked him, do you hate conflict in family life? No. Uh-huh. no Tell me why. It, it's, you love
1: it. It's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I do. I do. I think it's an opportunity to find out what's important. In some in some ways, I think I think where there's conflict, there's, there's either some unmet need or or there's a value yeah. that has been that isn't being recognised by by someone else in the family in conflict. Those moments of it's when the it's when the stuff underneath shows up. Uh, and so for me, those are the exciting points where I realise oh, this, there's something we haven't recognised about the way that we are in relationship with each other. And here's an opportunity. If we learn how to do this well, then this can this can form us.
0: So, how do you respond when your kids come to you and they're having a fight?
1: Uh, depends how well I'm doing on any particular <laughs> day. But the but um, I, I think more recently I've just responded puzzled as to why I'm involved. I, I think that's my honest answer. There's my eldest is seven and she's often coming to me slightly upset about what our four-year-old sons up to you and I, I'm, I, I'm generally it's a Ben's done this and I'm like well have you talked to him about that have you no and I <laughs> so there's kind of a I'm like well what, what, I'm just kind of asking why, why am I involved in this and, and I think there's a bit of a, a dynamic there that makes the question do I need to be involved in this I'm wanting them to feel equipped and empowered to have a kind of argument themselves yeah. in some ways and yeah. I think there's something there's something for for those two where they're not feeling powerful enough to handle that uh, and so they're having to come to someone to someone else whether that be a teacher or a, a parent carer and so I'm just trying to encourage my children give them the tools in order to well what, why don't you use, use your words and tell Ben how you feel about what he's done um, there's still a role for me in that but it's just it's not for me to just adjudicate so I'm not seeing myself anymore as the judge who's deciding who's right and who's wrong in this I'm trying to give out tools for them to, to help them to figure it out themselves a bit
0: and what sort of tools have you given them
1: <laughs> a mallet <laughs> <laughs> um uh it, but words are an important one it just do, do, does ben understand what why you're upset and just asking questions to encourage them to and um, keep building the connection between them Um, from from heading into just emotional heightened uh, reactions um but i think i'm still i'm still learning i'm still discovering what helps in that moment um but what i've learned is that it's it just adds a cycle of them requiring me all the time if if i if i'm the one that resolves the conflict rather than
0: And when you say use your words, are there any particular expressions that you've taught them or any particular ways that you've taught them to communicate with each other? Good
1: question. I I think for me, encouraging them to use their words is is just saying rather than just thrashing out at each other physically, find some way of expressing how you feel. and understanding how they feel. And also one of my kids, Ben, is much more able to express himself naturally, whereas Beth takes a little bit of a while to get to it. So um, there's not specific phrases that I've have given apart from communicating, how do you feel? Wh- what does Ben need to know about this? And Ben, mm. what do you need to say? Um,
0: but, and that's culture and the, setting, isn't it, in the home?
1: Yeah, and some of it is. It, it, so there is. So we do encourage each to what do you need to do about this? what can you do do right about this? what how can you make this right? and also what do you need to to say there's an obvious sorry I didn't you know even though this was an accident, even though i didn't I, I'm sorry and um, and we use the phrase fresh start it's it's. it's, it's we think that forgiveness is important, and it, the best way that we've found to
0: help them understand what that is is that there's a fresh start Now we're, we're, we're kind of working from a blank oh, and I've heard so them say not, that I love that
1: yeah, it's not just enough to say sorry. Sorry, feels like that thing that they say begrudgingly, but
0: yeah. the,
1: the fresh start is something that okay, there's connection now, and our kids are young enough to to, to do cuddles straight away afterwards, and they start slightly mm-hmm. enjoy that, and it ends up in laughter most of the time. So,
0: yeah. um,
1: a rebuilding of the connection is, is important.
0: And teaching them their words, and you getting less involved. Are you seeing some progress? Are you seeing some victories in that area?
1: Uh, I, I think we're in the middle of it now, so I don't I don't want to claim that it's all all happening, but it this feels much more um, effective. It feels it mm. feels more more appropriate. It feels empowering to them. Mm. Um, so it's it's uh, uh, it's not for me a lazy, uh, ch- cheaper way of parenting. For me, it's a long it's it's investing in the long term rather mm. than just I could fix this short term by just getting loud,
0: shouting, or separating them. Um, but but I want to invest in the long term mm. that they are warming it uh, in a way that for me
1: is an encouragement that this this is we're in the we're moving in the right direction
0: um, oh that's brilliant. Answer, such a great skill to learn isn't it when you're so little
1: yeah i'm still learning it
0: i'm still learning it <laughs> <laughs> i'm still learning it too hopefully we never stop learning i know i learned tons from the parents that i hang out with i so enjoyed my conversation with david and i hope that you did too Thank you for joining me on this week's podcast. It's been great having you with me. If you want to contact me or give me feedback or share something that's encouraged you, I'm easy to find either at the Courageous Mama on Instagram or by email, madelinestunny at icloud.com. And if there's something here that you've found helpful, please feel free to pass it on. See you next week.